You're listening to the Authentic Sellers Club podcast. This space is dedicated to sellers, not sellouts. I'm your host, Danielle, a career saleswoman, a single mom, and someone deeply passionate about the art of the sale. Here, you're going to hear some practical conversations, tips and tricks, and real-life stories, as well as real-life mishaps on how to show up as your full, authentic self in the world of sales. Whether you are new or you have been selling longer than I've been alive, this podcast is the place for you. No matter the size of the deal, you do not have to compromise who you are to experience success. And in this room, sales is not a dirty word. Welcome to the club. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Authentic Sellers Club. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so excited I'm here. This is episode one, and this episode has been a long time coming. For those of you who don't know me, hi, I'm Danielle. I've been in sales my entire professional life, and if you were to ask my dad, he'd probably tell you I've been in sales my entire life. (laughs) Really wanted that Barbie dream house. But anyway, I just, my, my whole career has been sales. I've been in B2C, B2B, small business, mid-market, large enterprise, and even government, which I, (laughs) that is like not for the faint of heart, okay? (laughs) Government is no joke. Don't need to do that again. But I've sold the thing that everyone's heard of before or that everybody loved or everybody wanted that had a great developed market. I've done that. I've sold the thing that no one's heard of before that they didn't know they needed or they had heard it and they hated it. (laughs) I've broken into markets that had no clientele whatsoever and I've taken over established clients and had to rebuild trust and everything in between. One thing has always been the same is that when I show up as me, that's when everything works. Not whenever I'm doing pre-written scripts, not whenever I'm doing sales tactics, not when I'm following even my very well-intentioned manager who's trying to guide me in a process that worked for him. That's not when it works. It's when I show up as me. It's when I follow my gut of what my client needs and what my process is. And when I talk to other sales professionals who I really respect and who I admire and the ones who are constantly President's Club, their experience is the same. So I just wanted to have a space for those stories to have a home. And that's the intention of this. We're going to have some fun conversations with some of my favorite people to work with in the industry and hopefully provide some guidance or even just some encouragement to do that thing you already know you need to do. Um, Maybe you'll learn a couple tips and tricks along the way, but um, that is our intention. That's what we're going to be doing. So let's get into it. Okay, so normally there are going to be other people on this show, but Today, it's the Danielle show. I mean, it's my show, but today you're getting just straight Danielle, just pure Danielle content. And I mean, I guess that's appropriate for episode one, but anyway, I want to start off by talking about how this whole crazy thing began. 
and how I started out in sales. So I went to college to study classical voice, which is a really, really weird thing to spend your money on, but you know, I'm a dreamer. So I got done with school in 2008, which was an excellent time to enter the workforce with a music background. And the only people who would hire me at that time was a hair care company out of California. So I'm fired up. I get to play dress up for a living. Are you freaking kidding me? I get to sell shampoo and hair color and products and I get to do this all the time. This is great. I am highly unqualified for this position (laughs) from what I can tell, but they gave me um, a really big territory. I live in Asheville, guys. I'm recording this from my home, so you might hear my dog in the background or, you know, just street noise, maybe a bird or two, but uh, so fair warning, but so I'm in Nashville. If you're familiar with the Nashville area, my territory was massive. I had... (laughs) Bowling Green, Kentucky, down to Huntsville, Alabama, over to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and everything in between. I had 135 salon clients, and I was not qualified for the role that I had. I remember I studied music, guys. So I came in, and what I learned really quickly is that when you're hired, for a job that you are highly unqualified for, it's usually because there is nowhere to go but up. (laughs) So I learned how to become a professional firefighter. So for my first sales role, I was aggressively cold calling and building the market. Either no one had heard of our brand, or if they had heard of us, they hated us. (laughs) So I was either rebuilding trust or completely educating my client. And they had really, really aggressive goals. We had to, well, I thought it was aggressive. We had to open 10 new accounts a month. There was so much sampling and just going crazy trying to cover a territory like that. So I was actually really lucky whenever I started. I had one manager who sat down with me and she was so great. She helped me understand how to maximize my time and to not spend so much time in front of a windshield doing nothing. Basically how to maximize my revenue generating activity. So for those of you who are not new to sales, you're like, seriously, Danielle, this is what we're talking about in episode one. But maybe it's a good reminder, even for people who've been doing this for a long time, to figure out how you're mapping out your month, how you're mapping out your territory, how you're actually going to get to everybody. So it was one thing when I was handed a ton of clients and it was another having to also bring new clients on and continue to develop the market. So what she taught me basically was to put my put my territory and break it into a two-week circuit. And to decide, you know, Monday is basically going to be my admin day or the day whenever we would have classes, things like that. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, those were going to be my out days. And so the idea was to not draw a star across the city. So when I was getting started, my confidence was so low. I 
didn't think I belonged in any of the rooms that I was walking into. I didn't think that I had a valid business reason for anyone to give me their time and that I was grateful for anyone who would even speak to me. So if someone wanted to take a meeting with me and it was not on the day that I was scheduled to be in that area, I would take the meeting and then I was driving everywhere. So this wonderful manager I had, she sat me down and she was like, you cannot do this. Also, there's something really powerful in not being available all the time. And that blew my mind, but it completely changed my view of myself and my value and what I was bringing to people whenever I put that little thing in place. So the way that she had me set up my schedule was, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, let's say in Tuesday, I was in one part of town And then when I looked at where I would be the following week, Wednesday, it would be near-ish my Tuesday day. So let's say, for example, that part of town on Tuesday, week one, I miss someone. They were sick. They weren't available, blah, blah, blah. I don't have to go an entire two weeks before I could potentially catch that person again. I could catch them the next week on a Wednesday without having to go too far out of my way by choosing to have my area I'm going to be in kind of close to where Tuesday week one was. And I'm going to put a whole um, map on the website so that if this is something that you guys want to dive into, I'll put a map on the website of how you can route out your territory in that way. But it was so, so powerful to not be drawing a star across the freaking city, especially with how big my territory was. So fast forward to now in the role that I'm in, I'm not having to go all over the place necessarily because so much of what we do is on video now. But I do have to get myself mentally inside certain verticals. So I still have a way that I organize my week on week off or my my two week route, I guess, even though I'm not physically driving places anymore. So I'm setting up my activities. Most of my world, I work inside the healthcare space in um, IT. And, but I do still have some clients who are in the financial industry or clients who are in manufacturing, or, um, I've got some, um, sport event, like organizations, sporting organizations. And so to shift my thought from one track to another, it's so, so helpful if I'm like, you know, this is the day that I'm doing all of my healthcare outreach and work and whatnot. And that's where all of my focus is going to be on healthcare. And this is a day that I'm going to be focusing on manufacturing. This is a day I'm going to be focusing on financial. Um, And also whenever I'm trying to, you know, get into my schedule, this is when I'm going to be meeting with my networking partners. This is when I'm going to be um, meeting with existing clients. This is when I'm focused on new clients, um, because there's so many activities that you have to stay on top of and stay consistent with. And for me, rather than trying to have a daily routine, but looking more at a weekly or even a bi-weekly routine, that has made a huge difference in just actually feeling like I'm getting everything accomplished, making sure that I'm focused on revenue generating activities and preventing the burnout but staying really authentic in myself in all of that space and, and respecting my own time. 
Um, I know I said it in the intro, I'm a single mom. And one of the reasons that I chose to get into sales in the first place was because it allowed me to be present as a mother. My entire career, I have been able to take my kids to school and pick them up from school and be there for, I was a room mom when my son was in kindergarten. Um, I have a special needs daughter and I had to spend some time in the hospital with her and I was able to sell and work the entire time I lived in a hospital. So the level of gratitude that I have for a sales career, there aren't words for it. It has made so many things possible in my life. And I guess that's just a message that I would love to have come across for anyone who is either new to a sales industry um, or a sales career or, or not. Um, just remembering the amount of freedom that you're able to get in a role like this, especially whenever you can be really good at setting those boundaries. So not only the boundaries of being really efficient with your time um, in seeing your clients, but also in um, efficient with your time of how much you're devoting to work versus allowing yourself to still have um, that balance in the rest of your life. I haven't always been that balanced and that might be a story for another day, but first off, I just wanted to talk about um, getting that schedule straight. So hopefully right now you currently are maximizing your time. I know when I listen to podcasts, I'm either driving somewhere or usually it's the motivation I need to finally fold the laundry and put it away if I just have like a friend like talking to me. So, you know, I'll just be your friend talking to you while you fold your laundry or when you, you know, maybe you're finally getting those dishes done and I'll just talk to you while you get it done. It's... That's how I use podcasts. So um, <laughs> hopefully you're maximizing your time right now. I want to talk about another thing um, that I had to figure out really early on in the beginning of my career that I've continued to have to practice over time. Um, and that is getting really good at hearing no <laughs> and rejection. I know that that is something that, I mean, if you think of the things that people really try to desperately avoid or the reasons that you ever talk to someone and they say, oh, I could never do sales. It is either cold calling, like literally having to go and interrupt strangers and or as well as being told no. Um, sometimes I think that's because some people are like overly aggressive to salespeople. And then if they ever have to go in that role, like they've got a lot of karma. <laughs> got a lot of karma to collect from that, but I want to talk about the experience of handling rejection. So when I started, I think it was just a, because there were so many people who I was having to contact in a month, <laughs> even, um, you know, to take on, to take on 10 new clients a month, I was probably visiting, gosh, a hundred people a month to do that. Had to have been. If not, I mean, maybe not that many, but it was a lot. Like once you get that snowball going, it's it's not as aggressive. But when you're getting started, oh my gosh, it's so much effort. So 
I just kind of, I would say that there were like certain parts of the, the city that whenever I was going to have to go to them, I like really, really had to hype myself up because I knew those were the days I was going to get so many no's. I was going to get so much rejection in those days and I would just have to hype myself up for getting like kicked in the teeth all day long. But maybe that is where my um, performance background came in for me, like growing up being told know <laughs> so much that maybe I had a little bit of tough skin already developed around that but hearing no um, was really really hard on the front end especially when I just didn't have the self-confidence um, that I even belonged in the room but I had a really great boss at um, one of the other places I stayed for quite a while still in the beauty industry as well and he loved a dad joke and he said, it's so much better whenever I can draw this on like a whiteboard or something. I'm, I'm a whiteboard girl. Actually, I'm a sticky flip chart girl, okay? And the big fat stinky Sharpies, those are my go-to. Anyway, he would say, when someone tells you no, N-O, it's because they don't know, K-N-O-W. And he would put the K on one side and the W on the other. And we were all like, oh, you know. But it became so true, um, and when I was able to stop looking at the nose as a personal attack on me and my character and that I'm the worst and whatever, when I stopped taking it personally, it almost became a game um, of how many nose, <laughs> how many nose I could tolerate, how many nose I could get. And now I look at it, I, I had this conversation with someone just the other day. I'm like, the second best thing to a yes is a no. There's nothing worse than a maybe. And looking at that, it, it just, I guess, shows the growth that I've experienced. And again, I hear the same thing from people who have really settled into their role as a career, per as a salesperson in their career. Um, that no just becomes less and less scary, um, the less that it's about you, the less that you make it about you because it's, they don't even know you. How the heck could it be about you? Right. And I think that's also though, where it can be kind of scary to come in as your authentic self, because when, when you're playing a role of salesperson, you know, you put on your salesperson hat, you go out into the world and you're playing the role, you know, today salesperson will be played by Danielle. When you're doing that and someone tells that character no, it's not as hard as when they do tell you no, right? When you know that you've shown up as you and they tell you no. But I have to be honest, there have been, I cannot think of one time, really, that I was told no because of me, because they didn't want to work with me. If anything, I the, the more I've allowed people to see me as a full person, the less I do hear that, I, the more I hear, I want to buy whatever you're selling, I just want to work with you, or I would love to buy what you're selling, but you're selling the wrong thing, or whatever it is. I, I don't hear that they don't want to work with me, it's just that we may not have the right solution for them, and that's a very different conversation to have. Um, so let me get focused again, <laughs> hearing no and getting that rejection 
and learning to be okay with that and centered in that. Within that, within this journey, I guess I have, and I'm, I'm sure I could do an entire episode. I actually have someone in mind who would have a blast having a conversation about it. But understanding that your client is your client. They will always be your client. They could never not be your client. And the, your deal is your deal. And no one else could have that deal. It's entirely yours. So if you hear a no, it wasn't your client or it wasn't your deal, or it wasn't your time. And that is, I guess, the promise that I have found that comes alongside the agreement to show up as your authentic self. So it's kind of one of those things, you just got to trust me if you haven't done it before, practice it a few times, try it a few times, see how it works out for you, um, and see if it's a little easier to hear those no's. See if it's a little easier for you to put your neck out there whenever you know that that no, oh, there's my cat, <laughs> you know that that no isn't specifically about who you are as a person. Um, <laughs> and there's the cat again. All right, y'all, that's a wrap on episode one. I think Kitty signals that we are done for the day. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it informative or useful or encouraging or at least just helped you get your laundry done today. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review or share with a friend if you found this helpful. You can find us on Instagram at Authentic Sellers Club. You can also find us online at www.authenticsellersclub.com. There you'll be able to find our show notes, resources, and any other information related to today's episode. As always, I'm sending you guys lots of love and hopefully also those signatures. Till next time. Bye for now. Bye.